0: chapter 1, or chapter 11, and verse 1, Luke chapter 11, and verse 1, so Luke chapter 11, verse 1, and uh, it's just going to be, this is going to be a topical message tonight, Bible says here, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So the title of the message tonight is, why should we pray? Why should we pray? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for... Uh, The opportunity we have to open your precious word, and I pray as we look into the word of God tonight, as we consider this topic of prayer again, I pray that you would just challenge us, encourage us, convict us where conviction is needed, and that you might be glorified, and that we might be edified, instructed, and helped by your word in this matter of prayer. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I was thinking about this today. There isn't, and I, and I thought this thought came to me, that in the Bible, there really isn't, really isn't a clear-cut instant or circumstance where men started praying. They just did, you might say. Uh, we do know that in, from Genesis that there was communication between God and Adam and Eve in the garden. God also communicated with Cain and Abel. Genesis 4:26 says in Seth, to Seth, to him also there was born a son and he called his name Enos, then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. And prayer is really just communication with God. That's really what it is. Um it's our time. One, I, I read where one preacher called it this way. He's talking about our devotion or our time with the Lord. It's listen, talk. Talk, listen. You know, God talks to us through His Word and we listen. Or at least we should. And then we talk to God through prayer and He listens to us. But if your prayer life at some time in your life or even now is what It ought to be with God. God will talk to you also in your prayer time when you're talking to Him. I mean, I've got sermon outlines during prayer time. Uh, So it's it's talking, listening, listening, talking. It's communication with God. And prayer, of course, is a part of that. Dictionary.com describes prayer as a devout petition to God or an object of worship. It is a worship of God. Because in... By praying, we're acknowledging, if we go to him as we should, we're acknowledging him that we need him, that, he's a, that he, is, he is able to do what he says he was, that, that he is who he is. Um, it's spiritual communion with God. You know, Philippians 4, 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer supplication, supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Uh, Prayer, as addressed to God, is often requesting. That's always a part of prayer. If you read on in this this passage here in Luke 11, you'll find that the disciples are instructed to ask God for things. Verses 3 and 4. Give us this day. Give us day by day our daily bread. That's asking. Uh, Forgive us our debts. Our sins, as we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So, you know, a very important part of prayer is asking or requesting. You know, the word request here in Philippians 4, 6 means what is or has been asked for. The word supplication there means to entreat or ask earnestly. Um fervent would have the same idea James 5, 16 and 17 says confess your faults one to another pray one for another that you may be healed the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much Elijah was a man subject like the passions we are and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain and it rained not in the earth by the space of three years and six months so prayer is asking or requesting of God Now, I have two questions I'm going to ask. Why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? I come up with three basic reasons. Number one, busyness. Prayer, of course, we've already noted, is communion with God, and that takes time. I remember uh, Pastor Alan Dickerson saying, we live, in a, we live in a prayerless age. We're busy. We want everything instantly. We're not... We're not we wouldn't be considered patient by past generations. Um, we're used to getting what we want when we want it. But prayer takes time. It takes time. It's communion with God. And of course... To take that time, it has to be a priority. We have to make it a priority. So busyness. Secondly, unbelief. We just don't think God can really do what he says. John R. Rice said, quote, All failure is prayer failure, unquote. You know, sinners go to hell from unbelief. They don't believe God can or would save them. And Christians, sometimes we Christians are guilty of not trusting God or believing God can supply our needs or can do what He said He would we'll do. <laughs> of course, you know, James 1 says we're to ask in faith. <clears throat> and... and And if we don't ask in faith, we're like a double-minded man, and we're not going to receive anything from the Lord. And we didn't ask in faith. We need to cast out unbelief. It is the devil's tool to keep us defeated. Unbelief. Third one that I have is pride. I don't like to ask. I'm embarrassed to ask, or I'm not that important. Why can't he just do it? Why do I have to ask? I mean, he already knows anyway. Yeah, those are all true. He already does know. And he could just do it. But then you'd just be a robot and he'd be a tyrant. Is that the way you'd want it? I know that's not the way he wants it. You know, First John five fourteen fifteen says, and this is a confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And we, if we know that He hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we desire of Him. If we ask, interesting, you know, some things. It, you know, sometimes I'm a little slow at seeing things, but in 1 Peter chapter 5 in verse 6 and 7, this caught my attention today. And this is really one sentence, verses 6 and 5. But we often talk about verse 7, but we don't often put verse 6 with it. Humble yourselves, therefore, unto the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth... For you. You see, casting your care upon him requires you humble yourself and admit you need help. Humble yourself and admit I need help. You know, how many of you like to ask people to help you? I'm a do-it-yourselfer through and through. One, I remember the one of the deacon, one of the men saying in Maine one time, "If there's a will, the buyer will get it done. It may not be easy, but he'll get it done. There's a way. Yeah, I'm a do-it-yourselfer. But you know, there's when it comes to the Lord, we need Him. There's no such thing as doing it yourselfers. And one of the things I'm learning and, and constantly working at is. Learning to delegate things to other people, asking them to help, particularly in the ministry. You know, I could, because many times, you know, what I used to do is, I'll just do it. You know, they don't have to bother with somebody else, and then I know it gets done right. What is that? That's pride. That's pride. But in doing that, what you do is you rob others of a blessing, of an opportunity to serve the Lord. And me of a blessing of seeing others being used with the Lord. I'm robbing myself of a blessing. Which enriches our fellowship. These are all byproducts. See, pride is the thief that robs us of the blessings and fellowship of God. God's not a tyrant that's going to force us to do His will and there is no pleasure in Him just doing it for us without us asking. Forced obedience is not obedience with honor or respect. And so God desires and He's not going to do it for us if we don't ask because we're too proud to ask. So, why should we pray? Why should we pray? So that's why we don't pray. Why should we pray? Number one, because God commands it in the Bible. I have a lot of verses here. I'm not going to look them all up, but I'll read them to you. Jeremiah twenty nine twelve. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Ye call upon, shall call upon me. Call unto me, Jeremiah 33.3. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee the great and mighty things that thou knowest not. Many of these you're familiar with. Luke 18.1. Men ought always to pray and not faint. They ought to be always praying. Not fainting. You know, fainting is really turning to unbelief, giving up. And the context there is talking about a parable of the, the widow that went to the unjust judge... And she went to him continually until he gave her her request. And then it says shall not God avenge his elect who cry day and night. You know, If this judge will, will answer the plea of this widow, how much more shall God give you the things you ask of him? But he wants to hear from us. Ephesians 6.18 after Paul talked about the armor and God and the, and, and so on. He says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Praying always. In 1 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. I exhort, therefore, that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings, for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty... For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come in the knowledge of the truth. So Paul exhorts Timothy that there should be prayers and intercessions giving thanks be made for all men. Again, Philippians 4, 6. Let your request be made known unto God. And then, of course, verse Thessalonians 5, 17. One of the shortest verses in the Bible, not the shortest, but, you know, Jesus wept is the shortest, but this is one word longer. Pray without ceasing. See, God commands that we pray unto him. We ask for things. That's why he says, let us therefore come bully. Don't ever, don't ever be ashamed to ask God for something that you need. Secondly, prayer is God's appointed way for Christians to get things. Now, that sounds like, boy, we're just a bunch of beggars. No. We know that we're to pray according to God's will. But prayer is the appointed way that God has designed for us to get things, the things that we need and the desires of our hearts. Again, here in Luke chapter 11, in Luke chapter 11, (coughs) And uh, verses 3 and uh, 4, you know, I read that earlier, where they were asked, he told the disciples to ask for things. Uh, In verse 2 he says, he said unto them, when you pray, say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. So these are the things they're supposed to ask for. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as on earth, so in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread. So that would be, when you're referring to the daily bread, everything that we need to live, we're to ask God for. He's commanded us to ask him for these things. And then you go down to chapter uh, verse nine and ten again he says, And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given. Seek and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you, for everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Again, 1 John 5:14 and 15. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth, us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. And, of course, the classic one, James chapter 4. Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot attain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not. Why? Because ye ask not. Or... You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. So, you know, there's again, there's nothing wrong with asking God to give us our needs and the desires of our hearts as long as it's not for selfish, foolish, sinful things. You know, it, it's not wrong to ask, or ask God to prosper you financially. You ever think about that? Unless you'd know, you be like Nathan, who just wanted God to prosper so he could drive a Lamborghini instead of a Toyota 4Runner. You know? No, Nathan's not doing that. But, you know, if that's all your reason for asking God for a pay raise is, you're asking amiss. That's what the word amiss means. You're, you're asking for your own lusts. But if you're asking God to prosper you, to meet your needs, and so you can give more, to the Lord's work, there isn't a thing wrong with that. fact, God wants to prosper us. You know, God gave Job wealth. Then he allowed the devil to take it away from him. To test Job. But then God gave Job more wealth than he had before. God did that. The key is... God gave it to him. Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Limanek. And his name was Boaz. And we know that that Boaz was a godly man. He was a godly man. God gave Solomon wealth. He didn't even pray for it. But what he prayed for was wisdom and understanding. See, Solomon sought God for wisdom and understanding, and God gave him more than what he asked for. You know, it's not wrong to have wealth. It's a sin for wealth to have us. But, you know, you can be proud of being poor, too. As we've heard at camp. So, prayer is God's appointed way for Christians to get the things that we need. Why pray? Prayer is God's way for Christians to have fullness of joy. In Romans chapter 14, verse 17, the Bible says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Uh, Romans 15, 13, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. And then in 1 John. And this is what I really want to look at. This is I'm just reading those other verses. For, to, to show that the joy is of the Lord. But in 1 John chapter 1. And verses 3 and 4. The Bible says. That which we have seen and heard. Declare we unto you. That ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father. And with his Son Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you. That your joy may be full. Now, it is impossible to be in close fellowship with God without, without prayer, which is communication with God. And if you are in close, and, and John says here, that our desire is that you may have fellowship with us, and with His Son, Jesus Christ, and these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. Joy comes from fellowship with God. And so prayer brings us into that place of fullness of joy, it brings us into that place of close fellowship with God. Now, in first Samuel chapter one, verses ten and eleven, talks about Hannah. And it says she's in bitterness of soul. You know the story, her 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 uh uh, her husband's um, Elkanah's other wife was harassing her and and tormenting her because she was childless and and you know and, and she had children and Hannah didn't and so she was in bitterness of soul over this thing and and she poured out her heart to God. And then verse eighteen says, "And her countenance was no more sad." Now she didn't have a child yet. She hadn't conceived yet, but she poured out her heart to God, and her countenance was no more sad. It brought her into fellowship and trust with God, and now she was not sad. Let's look at another, another case. Go to, go to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. Second <clears throat> Kings chapter 6. And uh, verse 26. And just to get you the context, this is Samaria is in a siege. Benadad, king of Assyria, had besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine. And in verse 26, we'll pick up there, it says, And as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help my lord, O king. And he said, If the lord do not help thee, when shall I help thee? out of the barn floor, or out of the wine press. And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, This woman said unto me, Give thy son, that we may eat him today. And we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and did eat him. And I said unto her on the next day, Give thy son, that we may eat him. And she hath hid her son. And it came to pass, and the king heard the words of the woman, that he rent his clothes, and he passed and he passed by upon the wall, and the people looked, and behold, he had sackcloth within upon his flesh. Then he said, this is the with king, the king said, God do so, and more also to me, if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, shall stand on him this day. So the king is blaming this on Elisha, and he said, I'm going to take his head off today. But look where Elisha is. Verse 32. But Elisha sat in his house. The elders sat with him, and the king sent a man from before him. But ere the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, You see how this son of a murderer hath sent to take away my head? Look, when the messenger cometh, shut the door, and hold him fast. The door is not the sign of his master's feet behind him. And while he yet talked with them, behold, the messenger came down unto him, and he said... Behold, this evil is of the Lord. What shall I wait for the Lord any longer? So I'm not waiting on the Lord. This, we know this, this evil is from the Lord, and I'm not waiting on the Lord anymore. I'm going to take your head off. And Elisha's just sitting in his house. He's not worried a bit. Because he's in communion with God, and he knows his life is in the hand of God, not in the hand of this murderer or king. And in his communication with God, he understood what was happening. You see, prayer prayer brings us into a place of fellowship and joy and peace with the Lord. Number four. Why should we pray? Because prayer is the way out of all trouble, the cure for all worry and anxious care. Again, Philippians chapter 4, I read verse 6, but I didn't read verse 7. Let be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So we're to let our requests, that means we're to ask or cast our worries on the Lord. And it says, the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds. Keep, guard, protect your hearts and minds. Again, 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And, and the, the word casting is like casting in that. You just throw it out. You just throw it out. It means to thrust away. So we're to thrust our cares on him. Really, what we're to do is make them his responsibility. You know that takes pressure off of me. You know who gets saved at this church is not my responsibility. I'm just responsible to do what God asked me to do. But whether you receive the message or not is not my responsibility. Remember a guy I worked four years ago. He and his brother had they were always they didn 't have a good relationship at all they were both bachelors maybe that had something to do with it i don't know but anyway and he was he was he sort of he he didn't sort of he belittled his brother his brother was a cantankerous and didn 't want to talk in the mornings and and he would make him say good morning to him i mean he would you know and uh well, I said to him, I said, you need to just let Bill be Bill. You can't make him. And he got a little upset with me. And he said, well, you're a preacher, aren't you? You're going to have to make people. I said, no, 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 no. If the Spirit of God can't make him, I can't do anything to make him. I'm just supposed to give them the message of the Word of God. It's the Spirit of God's job to change their heart. So, we need to cast our care, the idea of casting our care on the Lord. The things we're concerned about or just plain worry about. Psalm 34:6, David wrote, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and delivered him out of all his troubles. Psalm fifty-five, twenty-two: Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. You understand, we're in the hand of God. Can He not provide and take care of us? Ephesians 1 says, in verse, I think it's verse 11, that He works all things after the counsel of His own will. So whatever He allows in your life is for His purpose in glorifying the and bringing you to a place of glorifying him. You know, Daniel chapter 2, verses 17 through 19 says, Then Daniel went to his house. Of course, you remember that Nebuchadnezzar had that dream, and the, and the, the, the soothsayers and the Chaldeans and the magicians couldn't, couldn't interpret it, and so he said, We're just going to kill them all. And they came to kill Daniel and his friends. And Daniel says, Why are you so hasty? And, they, of course, they told him what happened. So he goes into the king and asks for the king time. And then Daniel 2, 17-19 says, Then Daniel went to his house made the thing known to Hanani, Meshach, and Azariah, his companions. That's the Hebrew names for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning the secret that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. They were, they were in a life and death situation. That wasn't the last time those guys were in a life and death situation. But they relied on the Lord. <coughs> and of course, the Lord delivered them. Exodus 17, 4. Moses cried to the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They almost ready to stone me. And of course, he, he cried to the Lord, and the Lord told him to, what to do there. And again, 1 Samuel 1, I mentioned about it, Hannah you know, pouring out her soul to the Lord, and the Lord answered her prayer. And really, she was resting in the Lord even before the answer completely came. It's verse 19 says her countenance was, no, countenance was no more sad. Look at 2 Corinthians also. There's an example here in the, in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter. 1, verses 8 and 9, 8 through 11. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead." who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Now, we don't know. Paul doesn't really say what happened in Asia. Of course, we know that at one point he was stoned and left for dead. But he says, we here. We had the sentence of death in ourselves. You know, It looked like we were going to be put to death. We know in Philippi they were thrown into jail. And usually when you get in there, it's not a good situation. But, but notice what verse 11 says. Ye also helping together by prayer for us. That for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Ye also helping together by prayer. Somebody said, quote, If prayer will help me out of trouble... It will surely keep me out of trouble. Unquote. So prayer is a way out of trouble to cure for all very anxiety an anxious care. Number four, we should pray because answered prayer is the only unanswerable argument against skepticism and unbelief. It's an unanswerable argument against skepticism and unbelief. Look at Second Chronicles chapter thirty-two. Second Chronicles chapter thirty-two. Second Chronicles, Chronicles chapter thirty-two. Sennacherib invades Judah and surrounds, besieges Jerusalem. And, of course, he's going up to the wall and talking to the people on the wall in the Jews' language so the people understand what he's saying and, and saying, you know, Hezekiah is not going to be deliver us out of our hand. Just, just surrender to us, and we'll give you horses and all this sort of stuff. And, and he's defying the God of Israel. And, of course, he wrote letters to rail on the Lord God of Israel, verse 17 says. And, and then in verse 19 it says, And he spake against the God of Jerusalem, as against the gods of the people of the earth, which were the work of the hands of man. And for this cause, Hezekiah the king and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, prayed and cried to heaven. And the Lord sent an angel, which cut off all the mighty men of valor and the leaders and captains in the camp of Assyria. So he returned with shame of face to his own land. And when he has come into the house of his God, they that came forth of his own bow slew him there with the sword. Now here's a king who's defying and disdaining, and speak disrespectfully, of the God of heaven. And he is, you know, from a human standpoint, he's more powerful. He's already defeated Lachish and taken it captive. Now he's at Jerusalem. He's given evidence that he has more power than than Hezekiah and the people of Israel do. But he made a big mistake. He defied the God of the armies of Israel. You know, another guy tried that. His name was Goliath, and they just simply prayed to the Lord, and God sent an angel. Nehemiah chapter four. Nehemiah chapter four. You know, Nehemiah, as I mentioned last week, was a great man of prayer. And he was constantly being harassed and threatened by the enemy. <coughs> and of course, this is what Nehemiah did, Nehemiah 4, 9. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. And then in verse 15, it says, And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us, and God had brought their counsel to naught. Notice that. God had brought their counsel to naught. That we returned all of us to the wall, every one unto his work. Then look at chapter 6 and verse 16. And it came to pass that when all our enemies heard thereof, in other words, the wall was finished, they heard thereof, and all the heathen that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was wrought of our God. See, Hezekiah, or Nehemiah, Made it a matter of prayer, and the people that made it a matter of prayer to God, and God brought their counsel to naught. And he caused them to be cast down. In other words, they were put to shame. Because they said, Oh, if a fox go up against it, it'll fall through. You know, they made they made make mockery of his wall. And we see again an instance of this in the New Testament, Acts chapter 12. You know, Herod stretched his hand against the church. He killed James with a sword, and then because it pleased the people, he arrested Peter. But, verse 5 says, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church for Peter. And prayer was the answer to Herod's haughty skepticism and infidelity. That pompous, arrogant king, God delivered Peter, and that pompous, arrogant king is smitten of God and eaten with worms. Because prayer was made unto God. First Kings 18, 36-40, we know the story of Elisha and Mount Carmel, and he prays 63 words. And the fire of God falls from heaven, burns up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the dust, and the water. And the people fall on their faces and cry, The Lord, He is the God! The Lord, He is the God! And to kill all the prophets of Baal. See, prayer is the answer to unbelief and skepticism. Number six, prayer is the only way to have the power of the Holy Spirit for God's work. Again, in our, in our text, in Luke chapter 11, in verse 3, I'm sorry, verse 13. There's an interesting statement here made. It says, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Now, in context here, He's encouraging us to ask for our needs. And I believe what he's doing here, he's not asking for us to have the Holy Spirit. We already do. We already have him. So, we get the Holy Spirit comes and dwells with us when we get saved. But I believe what he's referring to here is, you know, we need to ask him, and asking is yielding. You know, just because we have the Spirit does not, does not mean we automatically have His power. So we're to seek and ask for His power, which is ours by being led of the Spirit, being controlled by the Spirit, being yielded to the Spirit. The word give here means of one's own accord to give one something to his advantage. And of course, he says to ask, that means to beg for. The word means to beg for or request it. Again, We understand the principle of Scripture is God will not automatically take over your life. The Spirit of God is not going to just automatically take over your life. He'll take over your life as you give it to Him. As you give it to Him. So when the Lord says here, If ye being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? He, I believe he's referring to, look, we need to show our submission or our yielding to him by asking for the power of the Spirit of God to work in our lives, to give us victory. There's no such thing as cruise control in the Christian life. Or autopilot. Your being led of the Spirit is a continual thing. Continual thing. And so we have to continually ask and seek for the power of the Spirit of God... To have, the thing, to, 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 to have the power to obey and to do that which pleases the Lord. And then number seven. Why pray? Because prayer is how we receive eternal life. By calling, by receiving, by asking him to save us. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, the Christian life should begin with prayer. That doesn't necessarily have to be words you utter, And the prayer is not going to save you, but the prayer of your heart. A surrendered will. Again, prayer means to ask. So the Christian life begins in prayer and is continued in prayer. So in conclusion, if you want to have fellowship with God, power of God working in your life, if you want your testimony to be effective for the Lord, you must pray. You see, for a child of God, prayer should be a way of life, not just in case of emergency. You see, for Daniel, it was a way of life. And when Daniel knew the writing was signed, he went to his window as he did four time and prayed three times a day. And I believe, now this isn't written in Scripture. And you can say I'm adding to if you want to. I don't care if you believe with us or not. But I believe Daniel went to that window and said, Lord, you know what's just been decreed. But I'm trusting you in this thing. Because you're having, pre- you are preeminent in my life. I need you, and your will to be done. He, I believe, he prayed about that thing. He knew. He, Bible says he knew when the writing was signed. But he still went to his window, opened toward Jerusalem, as the children of Israel were commanded to pray toward that place, and he prayed as he did aforetime. Now, when you get to heaven and you look Daniel up and ask him if he prayed about that, I will guarantee you he'll say, yes, I did. Because I knew I had, to, I had to cast. You know, sometimes we think those kind of people never worried about anything. Daniel was human just as much as we were. We are. And Daniel cast that burden on the Lord, gave that responsibility for his life to the Lord. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God desires, and that word boldly there means, don't be ashamed. Don't be too proud to come to me. Don't be embarrassed or ashamed to come. Verse 4 Timothy two, 2 says, you know, we're to pray that we might lead a quiet quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. He will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. See, prayer is pleasing and acceptable to God. And it'll give us a quiet, you know that Speaks of being at rest, again, not anxious or troubled, but at rest, peaceable life. Prayer. Why should we pray? Well, it pleases the Lord. And if we want to have the Lord working in our lives to manifest his power and his mercy through us, we need to be people of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time of your word tonight. Thank you for the simplicity of these truths. Father, I pray you would help us to realize our need, to bring our requests and our petitions unto thee, our thanksgivings. Forgive us where we fail. Help us, Father, to ask, seek, and knock not be ashamed to come to you with our needs with the desires of our hearts so Lord just help us thank you again for the encouragement that we receive from you and the promises that you give us in your word we pray in Jesus name Amen